Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the very first ever Rebel Fox podcast. Uh, we're so excited to, to be here and to do this. And um, first off, my name is Matt Spett. I'm the executive creative director at, at Rebel Fox. I have someone else here with me. I'm also an executive creative director at Rebel Fox. My name's Chris Dutton. How's it going? It's going good, Matt. How are you today? <laughs> I'm great. Great. I know you're laughing because we've been frustrated. We were trying to get our equipment together and it just wasn't coming along. But here we are. Now we're now we're all set. So let's uh, let's start out with things we find fascinating. I think that'll be good. Do you, do you find lots of things fascinating? Or? Yeah, I think this will make it interesting in the podcast. I think we should always kick off a podcast with current things that we find fascinating. All I'll right. tell you what I, I find I, fascinating. I'm not prepared. I'm thinking of something as you... You're talk. not? I surprised you. Yeah, you did. Okay. But go ahead. Okay. I'll tell you what I find fascinating. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Why? I mean, well, I do too. He's he like is the leader. In, he invented a shot. He invented the skyhook. He did. And he did something pretty incredible recently. Um, what did he do? We all know that he is... Uh, NBA champion, was the overall scoring champion, most points, everything. He's a social icon. And uh, recently he sold all of his, what would you say, uh, championship memorabilia, rings, trophies, MVPs. He sold it all for some 2 to $3 million and gave it all to a local charity that supports kids in science and math. That, and I, that's I, amazing. And I thought that was pretty awesome. I he, thought that was fascinating that he would see those objects as something of value that could be given to other people to inspire and add more value. I think that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. About, what about you, though? Seriously, like Kareem's, currently, what do you find fascinating? Kareem's one of those guys, though. I just want to talk about Kareem for sure, a second. Sure. Who uh, He's just always been on the surface. He's He's... What you see is what you get, and uh, just different from a lot of athletes in that way. Yeah, very Doesn't true. Doesn't care about the superficial things. Mm-mm. Doesn't. Awesome. Uh, he is pretty awesome, but I find him fascinating. Yeah, just, I'd love to have, you know, when they say, who would you like to have dinner with, pick three people, he'd be probably one of mine. Cool. What do you find fascinating, Matt? Yeah, I was trying to um, keep this conversation going because um, I'm still thinking, but I think I have one. Okay, give it to us. I just think it's fascinating that we're able to do do this. We have the equipment in front of us. Um, never in my life did I think I'd be um, leading podcasting. a podcasting. And next thing I know, I have the soundboard in front of me. Yeah. I have these awesome mics. Yeah. I might even use these for to record some guitar. You should. You should. And, and the crazy thing is we have someone else with us. We uh, do. It's not... It, it is pretty in. crazy. I know. Like... Our guest is not in the room with us, if you can believe it. That's the that's the best thing about modern technology. That fascinates me, too. The crazy thing is that our guest is in outer space right now. She's actually floating around the backside of the dark side of the moon. That's insane. Seriously, she is. But then again, maybe she's not. Maybe she's just oscillating around the greater Pittsburgh area. Um, with that being said, we should bring in our first ever Rebel Fox guest and podcast guest, I should say. And it's very appropriate, the guests that we have would be the founder, 
and president of Rebel Fox, Michelle Latta. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Hi Michelle. Hello. Good to hear from you today. How are you? I'm doing so good. Good, good. Um, like I said, we're very excited about the podcast, this being our first, and it is apropos that we bring you on as the founder and president of Rebel Fox. Um, before we dive into um, some big questions about where we've been and what we've been doing, would you just tell our listening audience why you uh, founded Rebel Fox? I would be happy to, but I was kind of anxious to jump in on the last question. Can I tell you what fascinates me? Absolutely. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Uh, my bad. Oh, good. So this week, what fascinated me is that uh, Elon Musk put the Starship spacecraft into the air and it blew up in yeah. a matter of minutes. Yeah. And it fascinates me because the answer to the whole episode was, that there was a lot to be learned. But, you know, when it's not rocket science, let's say it's advertising and something goes wrong in an ad, boy, if we could just walk away and say there was a lot to be learned. But Absolutely. That's not, really, that's not how things work in our business. There's, it, it can get pretty rough, but I found that pretty, pretty awesome. You can blow up a multi-million dollar piece of equipment and say, we learned a lot today. Absolutely. Um, you can put millions and millions and millions of dollars into watching a nice explosion. <laughs> it wasn't even that nice of an explosion. It was just. It nice. was the most powerful rocket ever shot off. And what fascinates me, honestly, Michelle, about that is there was 31 rockets. How do they come to the idea there's 31? Not 30, not 32, but 31 rockets. So engineering is beyond me, but I found that fascinating. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. Good call. Um, okay. So, so back to your original question. Yes. So, um, Rebel Fox was founded in 2016 and, um, you know, I'd been in the industry for, for a pretty long time and I had a small stint at a startup and realized that it was possible. It wasn't a black box. It was possible to start an agency of being, uh, one of the greats that puts out, you know, unforgettable advertising. And I always kind of envisioned that Pittsburgh uh, could be a market where a great advertising agency cropped up. Um, just like you have the Martin Agency in Richmond and Wyden, Portland. I wanted Pittsburgh to be a destination for a great shop. That's great. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, I think that's, that's kind of unique nowadays uh in 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 the ad business i think a lot of people get into it just to make money or think they can and i i i think that founding an agency with the idea that we're going to do something and become great um first and foremost is uh is a great way to found and i think that's what attracted matt and i to the agency as well definitely and pittsburgh is a great town i'm super impressed with with that city yeah, Pittsburgh's great. There's no reason that a great agency can't exist in Pittsburgh. Not that they don't already, but we Rebel Foss can definitely make an impact. Okay. So let's move on to some more high-level questions, Michelle. Recently, uh, you were fortunate enough to go to the WBENC National Conference in Nashville 
Would you tell everyone what kind of conference this was? And can you explain what WBENC stands for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it stands for Women's Business Enterprise National Council. And this organization is the largest certifier in the country um, for women-owned businesses. Um, they do the due diligence to make sure that a company is, in fact, run and controlled by a woman uh, or uh, and women of color. And um, you receive a certification, which is important to companies looking to hire uh, diverse suppliers. So that's their mission. And uh, they hold a national conference annually where they actually bring together uh, large corporate partners who are seeking to diversify their suppliers and uh, the actual business owners so that they can meet each other. And that's what happened uh, about two weeks ago in Nashville. And did you have a good time, first and foremost? Oh, my gosh, I had a great time. It was my first time in Nashville, and I had a chance to see the city, and I was overwhelmed and blown away by the Gaylord where we had the conference. Um, it's, I think they said it's the largest hotel in the United States that is not a casino. And you could get lost in that place. We had, the, we had a map that was on, on our phones, an app that literally used GPS to get us through uh, the hotel, which was kind of fun. Wow. I've that's... stayed at that hotel. I feel like I took a boat from one wing to the other. Is... Yeah. At some point in my stay, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. That's huge. Um, so what exactly happens at the conference? So you, you go to the conference and you're in Nashville. Uh, walk us through what actually happens there. Yeah, so um, it, one, it's a celebration of women-owned um, business leaders who are growing and scaling their businesses at various sizes. So it's really a wonderful opportunity to network with people who are going through the same kinds of things that you are as a business owner. And then secondly, it's the opportunity to meet and network with businesses that are looking to hire uh, woman-owned businesses. So companies like Delta, Airlines, Target, Nissan, Apple, Corteva, these are all examples of brands that were at the show. And you can meet them on the exhibit floor, exhibit hall floor, or you can um, meet with um, actual uh, procurement and diversity supplier professionals in a meet and greet situation, which we had the uh, fortune of meeting and sitting down with 10 different companies one to one to talk about our business. That's pretty awesome. That yeah. really is. Uh, I mean, to have a national conference of that scale and have companies of that ilk show up, like you just said, Delta, Apple, Nissan, all in all in one place. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. It doesn't happen often. Um, why, when when you met with these different corporate uh, partners? Uh, why is why was it important for you? Let me just rephrase this. Why why was it important for you to go to the show, to the conference? Yeah, so I can give you a few statistics to kind of set the stage. So um, today there are 13 million women who own businesses. It's about 42 percent of all businesses that are owned by women. And that statistic may not seem that startling, but just as uh, recent as 2007, that number was 58% less. So we've come a long way in the last 10 to 15 years in terms of women-owned businesses in this country. But in our industry, 
in the advertising industry, the percentage of businesses that are owned by women is calculated at less than 1%. That's according to the four A's. But some people, yeah, it is insane. And some people speculate that it's as low as 0.01%. So going to this conference gave me as a woman-owned business, a seat at a table where we really have a long way to go with diversifying our industry and the people that lead lead our industry. That's that's pretty staggering. Incredible. Like I, yeah. I would have never expected that. Um, yeah, it's shocking. That's definitely an important step for Rebel Fox, though, to go to a conference like that and 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 get the the word out there. So I'm glad you went. I got a question. Okay. Yeah. Like, how were you inspired? Like, was there one or two things that just completely inspired you during your? Yeah, there were a couple of things. So, yeah. um, The first thing is just the recognition that there's so much commitment from the corporate community. You know, I used to think that it wasn't worth my time to kind of go to these diversity supplier events. Um, but I think in the, in the last five years, especially with this, you know, our, our culture is really changing when it comes to diversity and inclusion from the events that have happened. And I sense real commitment from corporate partners at this event. And they were speaking about the actual accountability, financial goals um, that they have. So, you know, a company, one company stated they have a commitment to spend $1 million with diverse suppliers. That is a huge commitment. And so it all became very real. And that was very inspiring to me. And I think the other thing was just the women that I got to meet and kind of feeling like in the trenches and we're kind of all in it together. You know, I, throughout my career, I've done a lot of networking, but nothing kind of as close um, and supportive as it felt being in these rooms with these women. And, you know, I I had a couple good takeaways from some of my peers, but one of the most impactful for me was just this idea of persistence. If you are very laser focused on what you want and you are persistent about it and don't give up, you know, I, I agree with her. She said most of the time after the second or third try, people throw in the towel. She said she keeps going and going and they don't all turn, but eventually ones turn that make a dramatic difference in our business. And, you know, I think for Rebel Fox, it's very applicable. And I think that's something our team's going to do moving forward. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Very inspiring. Yeah. I think our crew is, is, is up for that task for sure. Absolutely. So let's tackle one more question about the, the conference and just sort of advertising overall, Michelle. Um, how do small diverse businesses compete against these large holding companies? I mean, you just talked briefly about, you know, what percentage of advertising agencies, um, are, are, are owned by women, but, um, by by holding companies, we're talking about, you know, WPP, Omnicom, Publicis. Yeah. The big ones, the, yeah. Interpublic group, like how do small diverse businesses like rebel Fox compete with these larger holding companies? Yeah, I think, um, there's a real challenge there. Um, those companies are working with diverse suppliers within their own, 
um, chain, but it's usually production houses and things. But it, when I was at the conference, I met with um, a couple of different corporate partners who I won't mention, but um, they worked with a holding company and their contracts are pretty airtight. And um, I think the challenge for small businesses is that we have the talent, right? So you guys have worked on AT&T and Apple and Budweiser and Samsung. And so, uh, you know, other people in our organization, same, same, like strong brand experience. But so we're a small team, but we can stand toe to toe to deliver great product. And I think it's a, it's a challenge as we try to grow to figure out how we can break through some of these um, opportunities when we don't, you know, when we're not a holding company and, um, you know, that's for us to figure out. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like the talent now is spread. It's everywhere. Uh, it used to be, it felt like that the holding companies had all the talent, like all yeah. the good creative, all the good strategists, all the you know, blah, 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 because they, they were able to pay for it. And I think that now in the modern advertising, it's, it's a different landscape. It's a totally different landscape. There's remote work, there's in, in-house work, there's, you know, the creative and strategy and account management sides are, are, are so not typical anymore. Right. And I would never talk poorly about the holding companies. I mean, they, no. they gave me, they gave us our careers. Um, and, yeah. I've had wonderful experiences with yeah. three or four of them, but it's different now. And I feel so much more empowered just being part of a smaller, diverse group. Absolutely. I, I feel like decisions can be made quickly, Very quickly. and um, work can be created even more quickly. That's good. Just Great. The overhead. And, yeah. The overhead, the layers and, uh, yeah. yeah, the cost. But there is a place for the holding yeah. companies. There always will be. I feel like there always will be because yeah. there will be needs for them. But it is great to be with Rebel Fox and a smaller agency that's uh, diverse and and uh, really pushing to do something great. Going back to Michelle founding in Pittsburgh because she felt like that's what the, the city needed. So, so I, have, I have a question for you guys. Sure. Um, so you've been on board for a little more than six months. What are the things that um, you've loved most, most so far or have been you know, highlights on the journey so far? I mean, first off, the chemistry of the people. Um, I don't know if it's a fluke or if we're just if it's lucky or you're just a very smart hire. But I, I love the um, dynamic between all of us. Uh, it's uh, we all have our own personalities and we seem to gel really well together. And I, I just love working with this group. So that's, that's the one thing that's my very first thought. I would say for me, um, the fact that rebel Fox is strategy led, I, I think is, is, is really great. And when I say strategy led, just for everyone who's listening, I mean, we are not a straightforward agency that does wallpaper. When I say strategy, I mean really smart, intelligent strategy that leads to great creative ideas. That's what Rebel Fox is in its purest form. We are strategic storytellers. And I love the ability to 
work one-on-one with a strategist, which we have a couple on board, even though we're small, and they're wicked smart, including Michelle. She's also a strategist by trade, just to let everyone know. And I feel like our agency puts out quality work nonstop because of this, because we are strategy-led. And that's been a real bonus for me because I think what I thirsted for in other stops in my career was a consistent strategic point of view. Um, finding a good strategist in this business, a little insider here, is tough. A good strategist is hard to find, but when you find them, they can really plus the work and start the work out great. That's what I think. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, we have... Uh, what else? Any, any, anything else we didn't cover? Well, I was going to say we have a few minutes left with our guest, and... Uh, I'm wondering if, Michelle, is there anything else you'd like to cover? Um, You know, you got me thinking when you were talking about strategy Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about how, you know, the account planning used to be the big thing. And, you know, the whole industry as the digital pendulum swung, everybody raced towards digital and measurement and ROI and accountability and all that stuff is so important and it's really good. But I wonder, I wonder if some of the thoughtful brand strategy, consumer insight, some of those things that used to be really critical are kind of getting lost in the digital um, era that are. That's a great, that's a great um, sort of topic to throw around real quick. Um, I think you're right. Well, it's just like, what are you doing for me right now? You know, what? how am I performing this second? You know, it's all numbers. It's less work. It's, it's less thought. It, it's more turning of screws, I think. Yeah. Less, it's, it's more of like a machine. Yeah. Yep. And I think that, yeah. that some of that is being lost. And it's always, but you know, the way I learned the business, it was always an, an art form because you were marrying creativity and science. Yeah. And now it's so much science that I wonder if we're losing the art form. Yeah. Put it back the other way. But see, and not to go back and and toot our own horn, but I think that's what we do really well is we're not losing that. There's craft there. And there's always, I feel like there is a need for data driven marketing, if that's what you want to call it. But I still fully believe that there's a creative idea at the heart of everything, of, of everything. No matter how blah, blah, no matter how mundane the product or brand may be or the message may be, there's always room to be creative. There's always room to have people fall in love with your brand, to follow your brand. And, and, yeah. and that's through craft, that's through strategy, that's through good creative, always. And just talented, smart people yeah. leading the charge. Great topic, Michelle. That was really good. That came out of yeah. I really like that. Well, well, what you were just saying, Chris, too, made me think back to the first conversation we had about what I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. And um, I just love the work that Amazon is doing. And there's a commercial on right now where a girl is you know, concerned about her appearance and she decides to order this bright yellow jacket from Amazon and she dances her way into the high school. And the whole thing is emotional. You can relate late to to it, you know, I was a teenage girl and that the attention to detail in the production 
from the way she moves to the way the scenes are shot from different angles. It's that, you know, that that's the art form. So it's still out there. Um, yeah, you see it. You see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, this will make me sound dated and old, but less, you see it less than you ever did. <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, there was much more uh, passion and craft and creativity maybe uh, a few years back uh, with, with a lot of work. But I, I agree, that is a great spot, that Amazon spot. They they got their story. They got their idea, you know, what they do, you buy from them. But they didn't yep. come out and hammer you over the head with buy from us with a starburst that says 50% off. Yeah, yep. and it evoked a feeling, an emotion. From, like, uh, um, from all, everybody. It yeah. was just so human. Uh, it is human. It's, it's And in the worse. end, you remember, it's Amazon. And that's all that matters. Because you can have great advertising, but if you don't know who did it, it doesn't matter. Nobody yeah. cares. So, um, very good point. It's Do the you yellow. guys have a... Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. No, Sorry. you go ahead. Do you guys have a favorite ad that... Um, you've produced in your own career that you really, really love? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of like, which one of your kids do you love the most? Um, when we look back <laughs> at, at all the ads that, um, Matt and I have created. And um, it was also the experience of creating some of the ads that make them my favorites. But, right. Um, what, what do you think, Matt? What would be a a favorite ad that you've ever done? I did an ad. This was just a silly print ad that um, we came up with and we had to sell to the client. It wasn't briefed, um, but they ended up loving it so much that they ran it in a couple of issues of Rolling Stone and it was for Tabasco and all it was, there was no headline. It was purely visual um, and it was just a bottle with a burnt ship in the bottle. And and that was nice. it. inside the Tabasco bottle. Yeah, a ship in the bottle. Yeah, and it was burned. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. That I was mean, really good. That was, it, and it, was, it came in a campaign. Yeah, the we ship ended in a up, bottle. We and ended then, up yeah, campaigning it out. Yeah, that was really good. So that was that was rewarding and it was fun. And Wait, so you, the client didn't ask for that? You took that to the client. We took that to the client. Wow. See, that's cool. To the client. I think that's awesome. I didn't know that story. I've worked with you now since 2008, 15 years. And yeah, I've I don't never like to that admit story. that. I mean, I'd rather have be Why? properly briefed. And, Why? And, I think it's uh, better that you took an idea and ran with it. We took the initiative, you yeah. know, and that, that was cool. I think we need to do more of that. Yeah, I agree. I think that I, I, that was a really good ad, by the way. I, I really liked that. What's yours? Hmm. I mean, there, we've done a lot of TV and a lot of big commercials, but uh, I think my favorite would be that we've created. Together? Together. Um, we did a little campaign for Georgia Power, uh, which is the big southern company, power company down here. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a boring brief when we got it. I remember we were kind of rolling our eyes when we got it. And the brief was, if you're touching the power, if your tool is touching the power line, you're touching the power line and you can die. So it was to stop people from digging in their yard or looking overhead and touching power lines. And uh, it was a print campaign and it was so boring. You, know, you get that brief and you're like, man, what did we do wrong to get this? 
<laughs> and we created uh, a visual campaign that was beautiful. But we, we did that on purpose because, remember, the brief was speaking to Latino um, workers. That's true. Mostly. So we had to think of something visual. We, had to, we, we, we didn't want it to be a headline campaign because it was, while it was for everyone, it was mostly for Latino workers. That's right. So we wanted it to be visual. And we came up with a, a great visual idea, which was, it's hard to explain, but showing, for instance, a shovel and the actual shovel head was a silver hand. So it looked as if the shovel blade was a hand. And, it's, and the line was, if it's touching the power, you're touching the power. And uh, it, we did three parts to it, and it was really impactful. And I, just thought, I always thought it was really smart and beautiful. Simple. You know, I think that's the best creative is it's simple. It tells a story, but it's simple. You, I think far too many times, not to get derailed here, but too many times people don't give the audience credit for figuring things out. And I think when you give something to people that they look at and they can figure out really fast in their head what's happening visually, I think that it's rewarding. And consumers like to be rewarded. Yeah. It's smart. Smart advertising is good advertising. Yeah, that was a fun campaign. Yeah, I really liked that campaign. Um, but we're running out of time. We're up against it. We are. I think so. We're, we're up against it for sure. Are we? I mean, it's Friday. but I mean, I'm enjoying the conversation, but I, I, I know we are kind of up against it and we do have busy lives. Are we up against it? What Do you have more do you want to talk about? I have a question. Yeah. Sure. Who's your next guest? Mm. Well, that's uh, that's TBD. Okay. <laughs> Do you that's have any TBD. Ideas? Who should our next guest be? I, I think we'll choose our next guest, but it would be great if people were listening, if they threw out who our next guest could be. It'd be fun to interview uh, one of our clients. I won't name his name, but it'd be fun to interview. Oh, it would be. People we work with. Totally. That would be a good idea to bring a client on and actually put them through uh, a strain of questions. That'd be great. That's a great idea, Michelle. Maybe we'll do that. It's a good get to know you, getting to know you piece. Yeah. And I, I have to add, you know, I don't know how we got so lucky because... You know, we've all had challenges with with clients at times, but the clients that we work with are just the smartest, kindest, respectful group. And, you know, I hope our street continues. Just really great people to work with. I agree. And um, I should, I, I spoke of the people internally that all of us who work together, but but they're a huge part of it. We've been... I, I, I've loved everyone we've worked with. But that's also, yeah. I, I agree, they're good people at heart. And that's always where you start. And, but I think a lot of that, too, comes down to the fact that we have initiated and and sort of brought along these relationships in the proper way, too. Like, if we're good people and we do our job right, you know, the client sort of has to reciprocate and in a good way because they're good people. So the relationships just work naturally. We're nice. We're friendly. We like to create great work. 
clients come to us because of that. And, uh, and our clients that we have on our roster right now are, are wonderful. I agree. Yeah. Great people to work with for, to produce things. There's nothing better than taking great work to a client that appreciates it. I agree yeah, with that. Sure. And, and, 100%. And, and we're in that boat right now. And I think that's another reason that, uh, we really like where we're at all of us. Yeah. But, uh, so that's kind of concluding our show, I think. Matt, do you do you agree? Yeah. Do you have any more hardballs you want to throw at Michelle? I I, I have <laughs> many hardballs I'd like to throw at Michelle, but that's yeah. for another time. That's for another time. I mean, Michelle will be on again. Absolutely. Yeah. She's a great. I have lob balls too that I can lob over. Softballs. Softballs. You can just throw at her and she'll hit out of the park for sure. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, thanks for being on with us today. This was the first ever Rebel Fox podcast. And uh, how do you think it went? I think it went great. Awesome. I think it went great, too. All right. Well, on that note, as far as podcasts go, I think that was a great first shot. Thanks for being on the show, Michelle. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. I'm Chris. I'm Matt. And uh, we're your Rebel Fox podcast. Thanks for joining. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.